0: Welcome back to the Game to Love podcast and on this episode we've got a very unique interview with Serbian tennis player Danilo Petrovic. We speak to him about tennis prize money, his friendship with Novak Djokovic and the growth of Serbian tennis. Hey. hey. <laughs> hey <sir. laughs>
1: uh, oh, that's brilliant. We'll
0: have to we'll, we'll have to take your word for it that it's you. Uh, As yeah. <laughs> so we can only just see your mouth and your uh, nose and eyes. Yeah, Hey, geez. look, here's the <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, it's great to my that.
2: physiotherapist.
0: Hi, bye. Wow. That's so good to have him on as well. First physio, th- <laughs> actually second physiotherapist on the podcast Yeah, we had one.
1: We can't ignore him.
0: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. We had we had the wolf, the guy who did the uh, Taylor Fritz's physio. He was on. Uh, oh, okay. yeah, he came on. Okay.
1: Uh, but, yeah. good. So Danilo, let's get on with it. Let's start. How you been? What you been up to in quarantine?
2: You've been keeping. I'm going? good. I I actually came back from states like when uh, pandemic started in Serbia. So. I needed to do like one month of quarantine, home quarantine, so I literally couldn't go out for like 28 days. So I was just like chilling home and when I started like working out on my own at my place, I got my uh, my uh, shoulder like fell apart, so I needed to take off like a few more weeks and uh, yeah, I started practicing maybe three weeks ago. Okay. That's good. So, yeah, it, How's it it's going? Good to be. Yeah, it's it, it it went slowly at the beginning, but now I'm like stepping up and pushing up the tempo because uh, Novak and our tennis federation are organizing few like national tournaments around the the Serbia. So, so yeah, it's like heating up, getting back in into like where it was and all the. Yeah, almost everything is back to normal. The shops are working normally and and the restaurants, bars, pubs, like transportation. So yeah, it's pretty much normal now.
1: Nice. That's really I it, this is funny. This is a very unique interview, I must admit. It's, it's, it's gonna be the first on the game to laugh. I'm trying to hold in my laughter, but it's brilliant.
2: Um... <laughs> yeah, no worries. You're what, that's good. What,
0: uh, <laughs> what sort of other stuff have you uh, been up to? If obviously, if you've uh, had this injury and stuff like that, have you been able to get up to anything else? Obviously, due to the quarantine stuff, have you had any other things you've been doing during your spare time?
2: Well, yeah, I was I was reading a lot, watching a few movies here and there, and uh, yeah, doing a bit research on the stock market and, uh-huh. <laughs> and things <laughs> like that, and. Uh, yeah, nothing nothing like really spectacular.
1: Nah, me too, man. I'm on that every day now on the stock market, having a look, yeah. see what's <laughs> happening. It's the best time to invest right now. So
2: well there there goes one more speculator. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, it's good fun. If anything, it just passes time for me. Like um yeah, I'm working during the day, but it's something to keep your mind active and thinking about things. Yeah.
2: Especially if you're earning, if you're losing, it's it's <laughs> it starts being fun very fast. Yeah, but
1: right now is a good time so you can make money. It's an easier way true, to make money. True, I feel it's on the low. It's on a very low period. So true, true.
0: Do you have true. any tips for us?
2: Well, it's uh, yeah. I would like to give you tips, but you you wouldn't <laughs> you wouldn't do that good if you would listen to me.
0: Uh, I've been listening to Jaron, uh, and well, I'm not doing too bad. Up a couple of pounds.
2: <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Then maybe I should get some tips. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs>
1: we'll reconvene after the video, and we'll have a touch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so. okay. right. But
2: Sounds for now, good. so
1: um, what's happening with your sort of um, your physical sort of therapy? Obviously, you're getting a massage at the moment. Are you continuing with that, um, mm-hmm. or is that just more for your injury?
2: No, it's like uh, well, I I help. Uh, rough few days like in terms of fitness and and tennis. I started like pushing really like I said pushing pushing up the tempo and uh, Obviously my body now is like it was kind of falling apart from everything I I didn't do and from all the time I was laying in the bed and uh, Everything was closed so I didn't even almost walk anywhere or do anything. So Wow. So yeah, now I'm 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 stepping up like the tempo, and uh, and things are getting like my body and my muscles are getting tight again. So I just don't wanna don't wanna get injured really and uh, miss maybe three or four more months for for let's say a nonsense. So I'm trying to 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 recover my body in 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 different ways.
1: Hmm. Yeah, especially being that 2020, like you, you started the year quite. Good. You went well. 2019 was your year. You made some amazing tennis and brilliant matches, and it just seems that 2020 you had a good little run as well. You got to your all, uh, all-time career high as well. So it's kind of come at a bad time for you because I feel like this year we would have seen the big, the real Danilo Petrovic and what he can do on the court.
2: Yeah, well, actually, to be honest, I I mean, I I really had a great year, but it was a long year for me. So I already started like beginning of the year. I started off like kind of tired and I was like, God damn, like now I have a ranking finally to play all the all the biggest tournaments, maybe even qualities for for some of the Masters events and. And, uh, like all the good things started happening, but I was just feeling like maybe, you know, I'm starting to be a bit tired because, uh, you know, when you're making good results and, uh, you're working mostly on, on adrenaline and, uh, and yeah, I got to turn on my back. Sorry. <laughs> <No worries. laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I was working mostly on my adrenaline and, and I was just feeling like uh, end of the year and, uh, and the end of last year and beginning of this year, I was like, yeah, well, some, some pause would be really, really nice. And uh, then when cor- Corona happened, I, I decided just to use it as a, as a pause.
0: Yeah. We've been speaking to a lot of players that seem to have been using this time to recover from longstanding injuries and just really just allowing themselves that time just to get better. Like people with back problems, people with shoulder, elbow, like we've, it seems that like everybody's carrying some sort of injury all the time. And this is sort of helping people get back to full fitness or let their body recover a little bit.
1: So we do forget the tennis schedule is so congested. There's so many events going on and not often, like it's not close to each other. Like you're going here one month and then the next week you're somewhere else. True. Uh, so it can be very physically draining and mentally as well, I can assume.
2: Yeah, we're we're actually kind of speaking now as we all have time to to deal also with little bit rules and price money distribution and then things that we could make better in tennis so few of few of players uh, in which i am as well we're speaking constantly with atp in uh, about what what things we could improve, and uh, and we definitely said that we could maybe make a season a little bit shorter, even for our level, let's say challengers and ATP qualies and like lower ATPs, like 250s, and uh, because uh, at the end of the year, you if you really wanna have like the uh, pre-season like the to really prepare for for next year then you don't really have time to rest so it's like or you're gonna rest and try to start off the season fresh or you're gonna really do the the winter period uh, strong and then make an improvement there so we're trying to make uh, schedule a bit shorter so you could really after the the long season as it is to have a Quite decent rest before you have the pre season kicking in.
1: Yeah, and I think that would be very good for everyone really involved, yeah, so yeah, people yeah. on the challenges more so. But like the main thing, what you touched on just a second ago, was the fact that the money's not really reaching your level so much. It seems to be very congested at the top of the like the grand slams uh, and higher end, where right now we need the ATP to sort of allow for more money and more prize money to be sort of distributed down the level. As per se yeah. because at the end of the day that is the future of tennis and not just that we the challengers we we find probably the most entertaining tennis ever really don't we ben? yeah
0: yeah for sure mm-hmm. i mean we we spoke with we, uh, I, we spoke with bibi ann schoof's uh is a dutch uh, female player and she said that there was uh, talks of introducing taking away percentage of the grand slam prize money to distribute to the others like the ITF events and the challenger events so that the smallest win would be 60k rather than like a 25k and then just gradually stagger the money a bit better just so that players can actually not have money as a worry because you shouldn't you're the best players in the world and there shouldn't be any worries in money
2: but yeah well the, the thing is that that story is uh, is already long there you know the, there is a lot of good and, and- Prosperity ideas. The thing is that somehow it never ends up like that. Someone actually does it. Just you know, like the season starts, everyone starts doing their own own things, and all of a sudden, like it appears like everything everyone forgets about it you know so no one really yeah. f- fights for it and then you don't really have time to fight for it and then you don't really know how ATP or WTA or ITF or Grand Slams or Masters are really funding themselves or so yeah it took some time also in car- some time in quarantine to to study and uh, to, to see actually how ATP works because because I wanted to know and to see how they're making businesses and, and things. And that's where I realized that they could actually do things much better, especially for, for the lower level, even though like they like to say as, a, as an excuse, like the lower level guys or even out of top 20 guys are not, not making them any money. So the thing is that, uh, yeah, prize money distribution is uh, are real bad. And uh, I mean, we all know everyone plays tennis for Grand Slams because even the top 100 guys would not be that, let's say, wealthy if they wouldn't have Grand Slams. So yeah. most of the income of every tennis player, no matter how good you are, are Grand Slams. So the thing thing is that already on Grand Slams, the price-money distribution is that, uh, okay, they're trying to make these differences lower and lower, so they're obviously taking some percentage of the winner, finalists, semi-finalists, quarters, and, and set their up to, to the guys that are first round, the uh, quali, second, first round main draw, and so on. But the thing is that... Uh, when you see their revenue, that's the biggest problem. Because uh, only US Open in 2019, they had around $380 million of revenue. Wow. $380 million of revenue, and you're getting for male and female, if I'm not wrong, around $40 million.
1: And it just shows that's why they're trying to push the US Open to be played again, I'm yeah,
2: so, yeah, yeah, I mean, uh, we also had a talk now that... Maybe the U.S. Open is going to be held in India Wells, uh, yeah. draw of 64 and, and so on. But the, the first thing, okay, from my perspective is that is not fair, is that, okay, so to the 64, you're going to give chance earning points and the rest? Yeah. Okay, let's not talk about money, but you, if you don't have chance to earn any points, how, how the hell are you supposed to compete with all these guys?
1: Oh, exactly yeah it's a good um, point
2: you make no, and it's, no, awesome no it's matter, always about no the money way, is it it's about your ranking yeah, as well yeah no matter that is corona or no but uh, for everyone rules should apply you know no matter if you're first in the world or if you're 2000 in the world you sh- the same rules apply you're playing on yeah. the same so your service box is the same as opponent service box otherwise it's, it's not sport so the thing is that I, I really have nothing against that USDA is filling up their budget and everyone has problems now, in, especially in financial terms. But the thing is then, for for me, they should organize an exhibition and fill out their budget with all the biggest names, you know. Yeah. Or I don't know, but you cannot give points and give chance to someone to to earn points. And then... You know, to, to the rest, I don't know, if you're supposed to have like 260 guys on Grand Slam, you give, you're giving chance to only 60, so what about 200 guys? Yeah. No compensation in terms of points, not even smaller tournaments, no compensation in terms of money. I mean, what the hell? So basically those 200 guys are going to invest their money that they would calculate on to make US Open possible. For the points, they are not able to to get. So yeah. That's the par- paradox of of all the organizations. Like I said, me first. I'm I. I would be very very glad that tennis is back. That we're all back on courts. But you cannot, you know, make for someone and then not be making for anyone else. Because if you have sixty four people, why wouldn't you have two well, fifty?
0: Exactly. I know. It's <laughs> so, just a just a crazy. I don't well. We don't know the ins and outs of all of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I
2: hope... that's the that's the rumor that also yeah. I heard. It's nothing really official. But I mean, I see I was speaking with a lot of top guys, especially guys from USA that they told me, yeah, we should get tennis back on courts, I said, I agree, yeah. but we should get tennis back on courts for everyone. Yeah, for someone.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Like I mean and if that's it's,
2: not possible, then it might be best just to wait for next year and
1: have to just resume the schedule as it nah, would be I mean, for the new yeah.
2: year. Yeah, I mean it's 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 you know, I understand I was speaking also through with a few tour managers and uh, guys from ATP and they told me, Yeah, but you know ATP is in financially really tough situation. Okay, I have nothing against that. You can make like IPTL or Labor Cup and there's no points, you're gonna have a bunch of spectators. Yeah, and make something to, to fill out the budget. I mean, for sure, you, you, you know, I mean, if you're working there, even, even if you're not working there, you should have a bunch of ideas how to fill out the budget of ATP. Yeah. I mean, I'm not the smartest guy or any genius, you know, but I, I can give you three or four. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a simple thing that if you're speaking with some tennis players that, that really want to get involved you know, in all of this, you could realize, okay, uh, well, that could work or we could try or we could make it work or, you know, but the things are, you know, everyone wants to get fast, uh, rich and not only rich, but to get rich fast and that's the problem, you know. Yeah. It's, it's it. yeah. So, so kind kind of the same in tennis, you know, that's why they have this big gap in uh, 100
0: or, yeah, it is, the, 100. it is the top I think it is the top 100, like you say. I think that we, we notice the difference. Like it, As soon as you pass that top 100, it seems like a barrier, there's, it? there's a barrier to get into the top 100. And after the top 100, there's a barrier for the top 50. And then after the top 50, there's another bar. And then it seems it's just a constant. But it, it just gradually goes up and up and up and up and up. As yeah. as when you get into that top three, top four, well, was top three bracket? Obviously, it's just multi millions and hundreds of millions that they're talking about. But to have yeah. that, and then one hundred and one in the world to be st- not struggling, but not even
2: earning anywhere near yeah. the amount. It's just crazy, crazy. Yeah, it's uh, it's like I, I think Milman said it in a recent interview that. Uh, how bizarre is that he's like, I don't know, 60, 70, or he was giving some example that's of someone that is 70 or 80 in the world, and then you have number three that is best-paid athlete probably in history of sport per year. So how ridiculous is that? I mean, yeah. you know, it's like you cannot... I mean, it, it happens in, in other sports as well, but this big gap is just like... Uh, that, that shows you that economically in your sport, you're not doing something well. No, or the I marketing agree. team of ATP is not trying to make uh, uh, brands out of... Because, because like I said in one of uh, players' meetings, I think it's the job of ATP and ATP management and, and everything not to work on... Promoting only ATP, but to promote a lot of players in different levels.
0: Yeah, for sure. I
2: think already promoting every best player or one of the best players in the world by, you know, selling TV rights from semis or quarters of every Grand Slam. Okay, you did that. Take a guy that is 30 and put it on every freaking commercial. Say to Wilson, Nike. No, you gotta have a guy that is 30. Otherwise, we are not signing. We are not letting you sign with Federer. I don't know. Yeah, but you know, a, but but yeah. but also, you know, we're part-time contractors with ATP. We don't really have contracts, so no one can really forbid you to to do anything. You know, it's not like NBA that they can tell you. You know, like okay, yeah. yeah, you cannot have. But in the same time, when logo is too big for tennis, then ATP tells you, yeah, you cannot play in that.
0: But this is I think as something which is quite uh similar that you've just sort of touched on there's been a sort of similar problem in the u f c as well because I know that there is they have like say five hundred to a thousand fighters on their roster, but then you 've got like about two or three people who make all the money and then everybody else is finding out they 're not being promoted in the right way like this needs to be the promotion like everybody there's people who are incredible tennis players out there that are playing at a challenger level or playing at ITF level that people don't even know about yet. I mean, obviously they yeah. have to come through the ranks, but give these people some promotion, like, you, you know, they're good from an earlier age, just try and like give, obviously there's quite a lot of players, but you could still help people in certain events and you could advertise certain events a lot better to get people at these challenger events, get people at the ITF events. I think it would just help everybody if they just did it. I don't know. I,
2: I completely agree. I will give you example that I felt on my skin is that uh, I was playing. I'm always speaking about this challenger because this was the first challenger that left really impact on me. Like, uh, uh, And it was first challenger that I played final uh, two, two years ago. It was in Puerto Vallarta in Mexico that they made a huge challenger and they were twice in a row challenger of the year. And uh, they, they actually made like uh, billboards and commercials all over the city with like uh, people like me or like, I don't know, the guys that are 300, 350, you know. And then majority of people that are watching tennis, they don't really know. I mean, if I would go around Serbia, they would know Djokovic, maybe Troisky. <laughs> If I would say Lajovic, the, the guy's 23 in the world, or crazy, Klainovic, that was 25, or... Jelani probably yeah, yeah. they'd
0: probably know as well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, but, you know, they would go like, yeah, it's it kind of ring a bell, but I, I don't really know how he looks like or who he is, you know? And exactly. It's he, like a recreational tennis player, you know? So, <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, then, then I'm giving you an example in Mexico and they said uh, can't watch a guy that is 180, 220 in the world, 300, I promise you the stands were crowded. Also, the paradox in tennis is that, uh, and they were paying tickets, so the tickets were like $5, or if you want VIP with drinks, it's like $50 per day, or it was crowded, crowded, like packed. It just shows that there's
1: people there who would watch it. You just need the right advertising
2: and promotion. Yeah, exactly. And then the thing is in tennis that now overall they found that average age of tennis fan is 57 years old. No, come on. 57. is 57. So actually that's why everyone is... You know that in the world, every year there is like in between 15 and 20 percent of less registered players in all the countries in the world. Oh, I didn't know that. For example, in Serbia, we have every year like five percent less, five percent less, five percent less, five percent less. When I was playing national champions, championships, we had so like 10 years ago, we had 128 draw, main draw, 128. Draw qualies and then you had pre-quality 60, 64 qualies draw to get in qualies. Yeah, and now we cannot organize a tournament, they cannot fill out the draw of 16.
1: Gosh, yeah, yeah. Just when you put it like that, it just shows that we wouldn't really know stuff like this. It's more from a player's perspective. Obviously, you're involved in the action all the time, you know yeah, these
2: things. The thing is, the thing is, why, why mostly all people are watching it. first of all, because okay, you cannot. Seeing you cannot really speak, you cannot really move. Okay, let's try to keep as as long as we can that. The thing is, why you need to play tennis at 11 in the morning? Imagine you watching a, a soccer game or football game at noon. <laughs> well, no one would freaking watch it because everyone's working. For example, Grand Slams are, are exceptional because you have so many players and so many matches and you yeah, yeah. double, doubles. But, but I'm telling you, for example, in Mexico, events are starting 5 p.m., 6 p.m. That's good. You're playing until 10, 10, or 11 on three different courts. Packed. You have Los Cabos ATP. They're starting 6 p.m. I think. Okay. Back. Yeah. You have Umag ATP in Croatia. They're starting 5 or 6 p.m. Packed. Uh, th- those are tournaments that mm. I have from my head that I can tell you that are packed. These are yeah, that's a very good point.
1: 30. It seems like in Europe there's a lot like they start at 9 a.m., right? Some of them, like yeah. Italy, in France, Germany. Yeah. And like much okay, earlier. Then, it shouldn't need to those, be like those, that,
2: maybe. Those are futures. Those are futures. Challengers okay. Are, okay. are starting starting around ten mostly. But but the thing is, I'm always asking the challenger organizers, like guys, why? The, the every 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 referee, every every um, umpire they're getting paid per day. So it doesn't matter if they're going to start their job at 10 a.m. and finish it at 4 yeah. or they're going to start at 4 and finish it at 10.
0: Yeah,
2: it's, You're paying sense. them for a day. So it's a 12-hour. I don't know. You can tell them as well, like, okay, matches are starting at 9 so they got to be there at 8.
1: Yeah. Do you reckon players perform differently though? There's certain players who prefer playing in the morning to playing in the, in like the evening. So.
2: Yeah, true. But you know, more. Uh, 99% of the players, they're going to tell you, yeah, I prefer to play at 4. Okay. Because then I can wake up 10, eat breakfast, uh, eat, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, lunch, practice a bit. You know, you're not in a rush. Uh, You wake up, you need to get a cold shower to to wake up, you know, to get your blood, like, going through your veins and everything, you know, it's like, I mean, and, and, you're making sport for spectators you know exactly like, exactly that like, there's no sport without us but there's no sport also without spectators so um, so what i wanted to say is uh, is uh, if you want make to to have more spectators watching what what you're going to do so make the times where actually someone can come
0: exactly and i think that give <laughs> Like you were saying with the Mexico one, if they advertised every single one of these and advertised them a time after work in all of these countries, think how much more money and revenue each of these tournaments would be getting to be able to give back to the players.
2: Everyone, everyone. And then imagine in a few years when a player would be a brand, even on a challenger level. Hmm. Maybe some, I don't know, Adidas would come to, to him and say, yeah, okay, I see that. A lot of people are respecting you around the USA. What would you, what would you need uh, besides clothing? How much money would you be interested in? Like this, no one is interested in you. We we no find sportless. it bizarre that there's
1: people who aren't interested because for us we do we obviously have a podcast and we watch a lot of yeah. tennis from lower ranked as well. So when we watch yeah. it, we think it's brilliant. We love it. Like if I was a part of Adidas, I'd go to you, maybe sign you up for something. And, yeah, like because it's yeah, you
2: know, you know, understand it's, it. It's, it's be, yeah, you understand, and uh, I really hope that in next uh, next year or two uh, we we we're gonna change that a lot because uh, with the new president, he already had a few quite good ideas. I I suppose you 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 heard about the merging of uh, yeah. ITF ATP and WTA. Yeah. Well, that's basically because uh, I don't know if you knew the fact that tennis is. Third most watched sport in the world. Okay, so and they're selling their their TV rights for like uh, I think 550 million or 600 million. And the revenue from all the sports from uh, from TV rights, so all the sports together is around uh, 60 billion. So, we are not earning even 1%, and we are third most watched sport. Crazy. On TV. So, what they wanted to do with this merge, I mean, I was honestly against merge until I didn't realize what it is because, I mean, uh, WTA is in problem because they're obviously that's why they're trying to make more and more mixed events. So, they would, you know, people would watch even more and more. Uh, also fee, uh, girls' tennis and females tennis and uh, so what I wanted to say from my point of view I mean uh, I know this is gonna sound like uh, sexist or, or whatever but but uh, you know in tennis everyone says okay you're not making money for ATP so that's why you you have lower incomes uh, now now what they say, you know, yeah, ATP should uh, merge with WTA to help WTA. No, I mean, WTA needs to deal with WTA. So you have guys working for you trying to make WTA as best, as, as, as good as possible. Yeah. But no money from no player from ATP so, should be sacrificed to get into WTA. and. Uh, but that was something that I was thinking in my head. Basically, what why they w- wanted to make a merge and why they probably will make a merge is because now we have so many governing bodies in tennis. We have ITF, we have ATP, we have WTA, we have every Grand Slam that is sold uh, the that is selling uh, their TV rights separately, and we have Masters Series that is selling their their uh, their rights separately. So you know. Everyone is getting a piece of cake, but you cannot really sell 250s. And even some of the 500s are hard to sell. And especially Challengers, obviously, for for any kind of rights. So what they wanted to make is uh, to, to have all the group together. So Challengers, all the Grand Slants, Masters, 250s, 500s, Challengers, and so on. And to sell them for 2.5 billion. Okay. Okay. So, because everyone would buy that still, you know, because everyone mm-hmm. wants a grand slam, everyone wants masters, and mo- everyone mostly wants the 500s, hey, even some 250s. Yes. So, if you want to sell it that way, you know, then probably people are going to say, okay, yeah, two and a half million, billion, yeah, that's fine because they're still going to make money on that. The, and then, you know, from 600 million to two, two and 2.5 billion, that's almost four times. Yeah. And what they said is that they would invest all this money only into players. So basically every player that is ranked would have what they have now from prize money four times more.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's no, so a very that, interesting perspective, in fact. Like, it's nice yeah, to hear a sure. player's perspective on it because we always see from like, the news and the media. So yeah, so, so
2: that's something that could be good. On the other side, until I see it done. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's another <laughs> matter really
2: altogether. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they anyway, said so many things. Yeah,
1: I think we should probably move on to more about you as a person, your career. Yeah, so exactly. We've, do- no, we've not even spoke too much about that. Yeah. So for you personally, I see you play a lot on on the hard courts and uh, clay. But for me, like yeah. I prefer watching you on clay. But I think you're brilliant on both. But do you have a favorite yourself?
2: Well, I grew. You know, when when I was starting tennis and in Serbia, when we were growing up, until uh, Novak Janko and Viktor became so big, uh, we didn't really have any hard courts. So we we were playing under bubbles uh, during the winter, but on clay. So I would say until I was like 13, 14, 15, I I would basically only know how to play on clay. And uh, that's why I'd say probably one of my strongest shots is a drop shot. Even though I'm a guy with with a height over two meters, but I like to know... (laughs) We were literally staying on the court and playing mini tennis for like five, six, seven hours straight, you know, and we would never get tired of mini tennis. And I just think, you know, we all in Serbia, we have that, we like we like to say in tennis, uh, a nice touch, a nice hand, you know, yeah, yeah. because yeah. we grew up, not because we're God's people or whatever, but <laughs> because we, we just, you know, grew up playing mini tennis all the day, every day. And uh, yeah, so... Then when I was 15, I, I went to France and there in ISP Academy, in Sofia Antipolis, and there uh, my coaches and uh, director of academy that, that that time was like my mentor and kind of like my father and my coach in the same time. He told me, look, I mean, you're growing up, you're going to be a big guy, you've got to... You gotta have a big serve, big, big, big strokes, and uh, you gotta learn how to play on hard court. And then he was forcing me, basically, you know, playing on hard court, playing a little French tournaments, national tournaments, tournaments for money on hard court. I was mostly practicing on hard court, and then all of a sudden, I said, "Well, yeah, I'm probably playing better on hard court. <laughs> So, uh, if you ask me, I, I. Yeah, I would say I, I play better on hard court, but I, I'm quite good on clay, so I cannot yeah. really... definitely. Uh, I can tell really that you
1: started play. on clay because you're very, it seems very natural, man. Like on, When you're on the clay, yeah, you move yeah. so well. It just seems like yeah, well, you just feel very at home.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm trying, last few years, I'm trying really to build up my serve and I think it's um, all my life I was kind of playing tennis... Uh, in a wrong way because uh, because I was a grinder. I loved to run. I loved to play a lot of drop shots. I loved to to practice in a way where I would hit, you know, eleven thousand balls, you know, for practice. And I would always avoid serve because for me it was something that is kind of boring, you know. And all the fitness sessions that I did was a lot of running, a lot of coordination and things. So last few years, I was actually trying to to do a lot of gym, a lot of ex- explosivity, you know, just one step or two steps here and there, and uh, I was really trying to to work on my serve a lot, and um, I think that's that's where I where I made the big what what made the the biggest impact on my game because tactically I changed completely and the way I practice it, I changed completely and. Uh, yeah obviously i think the things are starting to 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 set you know to my service getting much better and uh definitely and yeah. uh, maybe i'm even moving uh, a bit a bit slower or i'm not that agile like before but uh but that's Something that I was ready already when I started thinking that way to sacrifice, you know, in order yeah. to, to be left by weapons That that actually would make me a great player. Not not the the let's say well, the, you, the average one
0: You've got one of those uh, advantages over everybody else which uh, You need to take advantage of like you've obviously got that uh, massive height which you can be picking and choosing where you're putting those serves So, yeah, it's good to see that you're now starting to incorporate that. I just can see once this is included into your game, I think this is going to mean you're going to be pushing into that top 100 and then we're going to be seeing like a run for the top 50 or something maybe.
2: Yeah, hopefully. I mean, I, I really... I think in tennis, the 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 biggest thing I I, I I realized is is that you no matter how good your shots are working on a practice, that's nothing to do with a match, and not <laughs> not in terms where you just like like I like to say shit your pants or whatever, you know. <laughs> it's it's more in terms that you really feel you belong there, you know, with any. Any doubts? Any any thoughts? You know, and that you realize that you're on a level where where almost anyone can can beat anyone. You know, you you're gonna wake yeah. up someday. You're not just not gonna feel like playing tennis, or you're gonna be a bit, you know, rusty or tired or, you know, like sleepy or you're going to have allergy or it's going to be altitude in Mexico and you're not going to feel the ball. The ball's going to fly or the ball is not going to go from your racket or your timing is going to be a bit there, or I don't know, you know, or there's going to be shadow on half of the court. You're not going to see the ball and you're going to get broken. Or there's going to be a freaky wind or, you know, I mean, you have... (laughs) It goes on
0: (laughs) and on and on. It's funny you say that. The wind one is one I'm sure Jaren's so surprised as well. We've watched some of these challenger matches and some of these uh, low-rank matches. And to hear the wind and to see, like, the like the i don't know what you call like the umbrellas umbrellas blowing like in between it's like there's a hurricane you're playing in on some of these matches that's
1: mainly in america some of the american (laughs) tournaments you see some crazy wins
2: (laughs) yeah yeah i mean you you know what what i say like uh, if the rules apply for everyone i'm fine with that you know you you could see in monte carlo i mean they had last year wins that were ridiculous and uh Everyone knew that they have to play and there's no rule for win. So, you know, that's it. Or there's no rule that, you know, they need to turn on the lights. If there is, uh, I played Hamburg, actually 500 qualies, um, uh, last round of qualies. I, I was playing against Moulté two years ago. Yeah. And next to the central court, so it was so bright on the sun, but next to the central court, there was like a shadow from a central court. I literally couldn't see one quarter of the court, ah. and and I was like, literally, I was not playing there because whenever <laughs> I would play there, I wouldn't see the ball coming back. And uh, I was I was saying, uh, I remember my my friend the uh, Lievich Dusha was was watching, and I was telling him, "Man, I mean, how how the hell are you dealing with the, this kind of shadow when you're playing?" And he was like, "Just don't pay attention." I was like. I cannot not pay attention when I don't freaking see the ball, you know I mean, yeah, and uh, you know, but through throughout career you you realize that, ah well, hell you know that's gonna happen, and if I miss few shots, you know, I can only try to bury that you know in my mind, and that's it if you get broken, you know that that's it, and uh, even more yes, important so actually, to have
0: that big serve then as well, just to get you out of trouble,
2: yeah, yeah, but you know when you. When you get when you have a break point or I don't know, five for up in a tie break and then the guy serves you in a corner where there is shadow <laughs> and it's a, you know it's, it's a just a, a mental Twenty three mile, mile an hour serve and you just wanna put it back and then you freaking shank it because you just don't see the ball and then you ask yourself, Well yeah, I'm freaking risking my serves, you know, for, for making a point and then this guy serves thirty kilometers an hour and I just cannot see it and where's the point, you know. So, so, but so we earlier can, yeah. you,
1: sorry, so uh earlier you mentioned your very good friends with Dusan Azevich as well. Um what is it like mm. in Team Serbia? Are you quite a close group of players? Obviously you got Twiski, Djokovic?
2: Yeah, well we we all we are from small country, you know, and we all know each other since since we we're like, I don't know, 10, 10 or 9, 10, I don't know. I mean I'm uh we're all really good good friends. We never really had problems with even in the matches, even in like really important matches and uh we we, we played some throughout our lives and uh yeah, it's kind of like uh yeah, we're really good friends. Like Started really the Year well as well. The ATP Cup. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The ATP Cup and uh and things. Yeah, I mean We won the Davis Cup and it's like, I think in our country, if you, if you win for Serbia, it's even bigger. Like if you, (laughs) if you win it only for yourself, you know, it's like everyone gets so proud and like, yeah, we're Serbians and this and that. And then when you lose, then you know all these betting uh, guys—they're sending you, a piece of shit. You're not Serbian, you know. <laughs> and, uh, you yeah,
1: know. they're very tough fans for sure. Because we've uh, we've spoke about Djokovic, obviously, many times on the podcast. Yeah. And if we ever say anything of any kind controversial at all, we have them in the comments going for us completely. So yeah, yeah, they're Always. very
2: loyal. Yeah. Well, yeah. Actually, yesterday I was I was practicing with him, and we had. We had really fun, and we were speaking actually about uh, our childhood memories and how uh, we would like to bring back some club tennis in uh, in Serbia and how we grew up, you know, playing from for 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 biggest clubs in Belgrade and how there were, you know, kind of healthy wars in between clubs and uh, this healthy competition. I think this club tennis is basically what made us, you know, the fighters and the players that we are Definitely. like we are today. We're we're a country where we don't even have 7 million people. And then, uh, I mean, a few years ago you had in the same week, uh, Ana Ivanovic was number one, Jelena Jankovic was number two, Djokovic was number three, and Zimonjic <laughs> was number one doubles. And, uh, you know, then you have... Incredible set, tennis eh? nation, so incredible. Yeah, yeah then, Even then now you've USC still football.
0: got lots. You've got now, like, what, four players inside the top 100 men's as well?
2: No, we have more. Five, more. is it? Five. Uh, five? No, we have Djokovic, Lajovic, Krajinovic, Kecmanovic. Kecmanovic, yeah. Five, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, five, yeah. Five. But yeah, yeah. uh, soon to be six, because Danilo Petrovic is yeah, making his way the in uh, there, see.
2: Well, Milovic is, is still in front of me. Like Only a little, it's yeah, like two yeah. places, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, those, those those few places cost me like 150k on ATP cups. Yeah. I will remember those few places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> but, but but it's it's uh, it's it's a pleasure. I mean, even watching them winning, I was, yeah, I can was imagine. giving me goosebumps and. Uh, and such a such a big swing in my self-confidence, because when you come on tournament, you know, and everyone says, wow, you guys won ATP Cup, you know, you, you're you the one. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's us, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've,
0: really, really,
2: like, well uh, you've
0: had some players in your career that you've uh, beaten. I was looking back down uh, through the list of some of your wins, like um, in 2019, uh, you had an amazing tournament in Israel that you won. And you beat uh another player that we've been following closely on the podcast uh, Emil russavori, who is like was in the best form of his of his life last year and you beat him in straight sets, which is amazing yeah
2: well well actually in that time in israel I was Struggling a lot. I was three, thir- I was three thirty. I had semis to defend uh, of one challenger, and I was like, "Well, hell, I don't want to go back to this uh, transition tour because I was grinding so, so many years on futures, and uh, I was just like, okay, if I if I don't make anything like in next few weeks, I'm just gonna quit. I mean, I'm I'm just sick of it, like playing futures and everything, and. Uh, then yeah, I, I actually had an Israeli guy first round uh, and then actually I, I lost him in Pune like few months before that and I was like, well, you know, like, why him, you know, like, and uh, then I beat him. Then I had the, uh, I had Dudi Sela.
0: Yep, like, so, so, yeah, another great
2: player. Yeah, really tough match, especially when you're playing in the middle of Jerusalem. And uh, then I had yeah Emil. Emil was, wow. but all, already then he was like 300. And I was saying to everyone, well, you know, you can feel the difference in the ball when you're playing like a like a futures guy. Because for for me, in my head at that time he was like a futures guy. He just won like two three futures in a row. I know I knew that he was probably you know like pumped up and everything. But I just, uh, I don't know, in my head in that time until I stepped on the court and saw how he plays, I was like, yeah, probably like, you know, a future guy that, uh, <laughs> that is just like on fire. And uh, I was there myself too. So, you know, when he comes on Challengers, you only need that uh, one millimeter of, of doubt that you're on Challenger and that's all of your game, you know, falls apart. And uh So I was thinking, yeah, at some point for sure he's going to fall apart and he's going to start thinking, you know, well, wait, I'm on challenger, you know, I shouldn't maybe go for that. (laughs) that. But but to be honest, I don't know if that happened or not. It was a quite tight match. I beat him like, I think, four and four or four and three.
0: Three, yeah, four and three.
2: Yeah but the one break in both sets and it was really quite quite a tight really tight match that that is the match where you see Four and three, but that's hell of a match. It was really, yeah. really... He
1: was in brilliant form as well. Like He's a brilliant player. We we obviously really like him, just on hard court. It's a shame yeah, he didn't, didn't qualify player, for the Australian Open.
2: So, so humble, modest, uh, technically really good, physically really good. And, uh, you know, like I said, you can see like the ball pops from his racket. Like yeah. like it goes from from Sinner's racket or from, yeah. uh, like it goes from Djokovic or... Exactly. I, mean, I don't even need to say... Uh, well, Sorry, Raphael, Roger, but you you know you, you can feel those you can guys tell. when they're playing well, them. Yeah, yeah. Looking, the at, just,
0: just yeah. looking at those controls. Yeah, uh, looking at obviously we've been following him after that, like a couple of months after that, he he goes and beats Dominic Team in straight sets. So yeah. this is like uh, this is how good the guy is, and you took him out into in straight sets. So this is like a testament this, to yourself, I think.
2: Yeah, this is something I'm telling in all my interviews and for the for pod, podcast podcasts and and the things that but obviously not to you guys but to to trying to open the publicly you know eyes of how good the 500 or 600 guy guy is Sorry. actually t- tennisically so i always say if like i said if you wake up slightly pissed or not willing to play You're losing like this to someone that is six hundred, even though you're top hundred. So I don't think people are realizing how big focus and how strict those guys that are are playing in top fifty and top hundred are with their focus, even when we see someone like Benoit Perez, you know, like (laughs) laughing, making rackets and this. But trust me, I mean, I grew kind of grew up with him because I was with him in in academy in France. This guy, when you tell him, like, okay, we play points or, okay, we play five euros, he doesn't... We play anything, a, a chewing gum. You need to... It's like to beat him, it's to like giving a birth to a child, you know? Like, you need to break all your bones. He's going to invent if he needs 700 ways to beat you. And what you just said there—that's the reason
1: why I fell in love with tennis. Exactly, exactly yeah. for what the reasons you said there. Like I can see yeah. it. Like the level is so high. You look at the guys six hundred in the world. You watch some of their clips or watch them sometimes live. It's hard to always get the stream, but occasionally you do. The level's brilliant. Level's incredible. <laughs> Fine I margins. I wouldn't even know how to return most of the stuff they hit.
0: Fine margins in in yeah, uh, in every
1: in tennis, literally. and a lot of like, it is just mental, and, like your discipline and stuff like that to get to the next level. The,
2: the thing is. Me, when I was 500, and me today, okay, obviously, tenistically I progressed a lot. It's, like I said, just, I remember one of my first challengers when I was 17 or 18, and I went, I think it was Cherbourg in France. And I went, so I was quite a decent player. I mean, I was 450, and I won already, like, four or five futures. And uh, I went to the Players' Lounge, and all of a sudden there is, there is Olivier Pasiens, that played uh, two years before that. He played the uh, fourth round against Djokovic and Roman Garros. Then you have uh, Marc Gickel. Then you have, uh, I don't know, Jaziri. <laughs> then you have, uh, you know, all, you these guys the used, all, all these guys that I used to watch. Even Tsonga was there because he was coming back from an injury. Yeah, and uh, you see all of those guys, and you know. They say everyone hi, hi. They know each other, and then you're like, Well oh, oh. <laughs> we kind of happened too fast, you know?" Like, "Wait, how how I ended up here?" You know. So the the biggest thing is just that you really believe that you belong there. You know, when at, 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 when you start believing you belong there, that's like seventy percent of the job. Then of course there is hard work. Patience and a bunch of investments in uh, mental, uh, mentally wise, uh, time wise, and obviously money wise. That's, that's, I think, the biggest trap in tennis is that a lot of guys are giving them themselves physically and uh, they're even willing to sacrifice their time or their social life. But even that without the money doesn't really get you far. So uh, it's just uh, lately, especially last few years, it's becoming a game where, you know, 10 years ago when I was playing uh, Futures and when I started playing Futures or even more, it was, uh, you know, no one really did the massage. For example, (laughs) it was like, oh, you're going to do a massage. Well, you're kind of, you know, know? (laughs) only pussies do do massage, you know, then... uh, then, if you would drink protein, everyone would say, "Oh, that's doping! That's doping! That's doping!"
1: <laughs> You're um, certainly not uh, the massage part. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then, then uh, you you had things like food or these non-gluten things or vegan or vegetarian. You know, it was just like, like seemed like future. You know, it's like. No one was doing it, even best in the world. I remember later late, Huey drinking Coke on the court and uh, I don't know things like that you know it's it's Times today yeah, today everything counts so much i mean yeah. especially if you're i mean I was speaking with Noah yesterday, and i I told him, man, for you, it must be scary, like I'm feeling like you blink wrongly <laughs> and you're number two, you know it's yeah. like like. Even bizarre things can make you like go number two, or you're gonna be the best ever. You know,
0: it's uh, he's so heavily criticised as it is. He just has to have one off point in a match where he might not be thinking, and people just zoom in on that one thing. So he has to be focused,
2: focused all year round. Yeah, we were actually speaking. uh, He went for dinner two days ago, and then uh, half an hour later, he told me like. 700 paparazzis like told <laughs>
1: what?
2: and then she said i didn't want to make them like headline stories like non joker is drinking wine or having a dinner on the opening of restaurant.' so she told me i i just left the the party and uh, then i heard one serbian singer singing in that restaurant like, ah. and then i realized oh hell well they didn't come for me they they probably came for her. <laughs> 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 it was so funny. So we were oh, laughing. Oh, but great. obviously, I mean, in, in Belgrade now, we were practicing at his tennis center and uh, it's it's amazing. I mean, that, then when you're long, longer periods, like for a few hours or a few days closely with him, that you realize that actually if he lifts up the glass wrongly, it's like everywhere. Yeah. What's it like?
0: What's it like? Obviously, he's like a very close friend of yours uh, from a young age. Was it like seeing one of your really close friends just becoming this superstar, like obviously going to possibly be the greatest player of all time? In the future. Well,
2: we we were we were never really that that close, you know, because he was already as as very young, unbelievably yeah. good, and then uh, then uh, I I went to 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 France. I was living there. Then he okay. was obviously playing all the biggest tournaments in the world. And I started. I was starting up with futures and everything. And then we kind of lost contact. But yeah, when we started speaking again, it was like we never stopped. You know, it was like yeah it was like always so yeah he's he's very humble very smart he's very 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 smart very he's uh, very um very how you say open-minded oriented you know he's like very open to listening i'm sometimes telling him like a random guy passes and tells him something and then he's like oh yeah yeah. well that's that makes sense tell me more and i'm like (laughs) man you're freaking you got like I don't know three or four Laurels, you know, for being sports best sportsman in the in the entire world, and you're listening to a guy that is driving a bike, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a on a on a hot day, and he's like, yeah, maybe he knows something I don't, you know.
1: And that just and shows so, why just shows he's got to where he is. He's always listening. He's always open. he's, just, yeah, he's an incredible man
2: yeah, a, yeah he, like he's you he's say
0: intelligent perfect. guy as well like i've yeah. seen him yeah, online speaking like about six languages or something it's crazy yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: It's, it's yeah he's he's really like open-minded and intelligent and yeah i mean obviously only best words
1: anyway yeah. a few quick quick i've got a few quick fire questions for you because i know we've been on going on for a while but just for you personally do you have a favorite player on tour who you like to watch
2: well obviously him yeah yeah <laughs>
1: Other than Novak Djokovic, uh, other than yeah, Novak Djokovic, uh, too, oh, it doesn't have to be one of the top guys. Just someone you look uh, at, and you think this guy is really good. I love watching him. It's always an entertaining matches.
2: I I I just love Federer, David Federer. He oh, was David, for he me was. like uh, yeah one of the inspirations because he's the guy that if he f- fights with a referee, you know, ninety nine percent he's right, <laughs> and uh, because he never does it, and then. That's a guy that I don't know. He was smoking a pack a day of cigars and then cigarettes, and then he would go and play five sets, I don't know, eight hours, <laughs> and not saying a word. And uh, and I, he's so humble. He you would always I literally never saw him on any tournament, no matter how pissed he was, like not smiling after, like very very. Small period of time, you know. He was like all the time, yeah, 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 angry, 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 and then he would be like, hey, hey yeah. And he's always so humble, uh, and yeah, such such a nice guy. I mean, I don't really know him, like we're not friends, but I always liked him. I was always watching him on the side, in players' players' lounges and in uh, dining uh, in the restaurants around Grand Slams and and some of the Masters, and uh, I always thought well that's that's an I would like to be one day a guy like he's you know like very well respected but not only for tennis but everyone is saying like yeah that's he's a really good guy you're never gonna hear anyone talking you know bad things about David fair or yeah. or someone like that so I uh, for me it's yeah I'd say someone someone like him not not because he's tennis or he's uh, most uh, talented or funny guy to watch but just you know out and on the court i just love him mm-hmm. besides him uh, on the court i always loved cuevas pablo cuevas
1: okay yeah
2: and uh, i don't know the way he walks the way he acts he's <laughs> so talented it's a joke obviously benoit per he's he's yeah. unbelievable and uh yeah, those are the, the, the first few guys. That, I, mean, some I think some good selections. Though. Yeah. Yeah, and, and yeah, first time I saw Del Potro live uh, on Davis Cup in Serbia, I was impressed. I, he was breaking the ball, so yeah, Del Potro yeah. as well.
0: Yeah, power so. upon power.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a joke. I mean, I had goosebumps when he, <laughs> when he swings. For of, when he makes a swing for forehand I was like oh shit it's gonna
0: happen <laughs> it's a little bit like this with Kyrgios sometimes these days as well with the power yeah, he
2: gets I actually really like him because um, he's one of the guys that I think the future of sports is gonna be like you know it's I think soon is going to develop where in interviews, everyone's going to be saying what they're thinking, not what is politically correct to say, you know? It's yeah. social media, uh, it electri-
1: electri- allows, it gives you a platform. Yeah. To yeah. To yeah. That yeah.
2: Now. Right. I, I just think that, uh, you know, he overreacts sometimes. And he like, I think he's, he's doing the, the worst image for bigger public for himself. But he's a really modest, nice guy, humble guy, even though he has that walk, you know, and the way he <laughs> talks of the, on interviews and the press conferences, uh, you would always say, you know, like, well, look at this freaking idiot, you know, like, why the hell he needs. But, you know, he's only like that because there's some backstory behind it. You know, if you ask him a stupid question, well, 99% yeah. of the people, if the cameras are off, you are going to tell you, well. Why the hell are you even asking me that when you know the question when you know the answer? You know? They're trying to incite so, like a
0: some sort of negative like view on him all the time, isn't it? So yeah, that's what... yeah,
2: yeah. But but actually, if you know him, like I I don't know him again. I I played once against him, I think on a futures or challenger in, in Chengdu, and uh, we 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 had a fight on the court actually, <laughs> and. Uh, he was, uh, he was. I remember I was 5 2 up in the second set and he started laughing. And then I was like, Why the hell are you laughing, man? And he was like, Man, you're so lucky. I'm like, Well, that's not your freaking problem. You know? <laughs> I mean, so disrespectful to laugh at me. And he was starting like, I can do whatever I want. And then we were like, Kind of in a fight. And, uh, but out of the court, yeah, he's like, He acts cocky, but he's not. I don't know how to explain that. He like, I think it's just like a facade, you know. So
1: it's just a face you know. sometimes. Just yeah. That's anyway,
2: the... I've got a
1: final question for you. Who's the toughest player you've played? Oof.
2: I don't really know. You would need to probably someone that that I lost a lot of times. <laughs> <laughs> so. uh, I don't really know. I, I I don't like serve and volley players. I freaking Hayden. Yeah. <laughs> Probably, yeah, because you don't have rhythm and then I think I serve good and then some guy pops out and like serve the shit out of me.
0: Have you ever played uh, Maxime Cressy? Yeah. Never, oh,
2: never. okay. Yeah, watch never. out for I, his,
0: his <laughs> serve and volley on nearly every yeah, point.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I, I saw him on Challenger in Newport in, in Cleveland where he won his first Challenger and he's uh, he's like a college player, you know, he's like, uh, I think he graduated from, from college. Yeah. And he's like, you know, every important point, you, if he wins it, you're going to hear like a scream, come on! <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, watch out and for a lot of the Americans, a lot of them are always in the net.
2: Yeah, no, no, I mean, I'm I'm good friends with everyone, I just, uh, you know, it's like, it's like a, a way to, to piss someone off, you know, to make yeah. him like,
0: I used to hate that when I was younger, when the opponent used to do that. I used to used to really get under my skin. I used to yeah, end up losing. Same.
2: same. I'm always no, no, Ramos. Like, no, the, the, I, the vamos. Yeah, I was always <laughs> the, humble, the humble and nice guy, you know, but then tennis teaches you some life lesson where you, if you don't do it, you know, it's kind of like a war, you know. If you're in front of a guy that's going to shoot you and you don't shoot him, well... At least ask yourself, is it better that his mother cries or yours? So. Exactly. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think we'll wrap it up there. That's the best <laughs> way to end the podcast, in my opinion. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank well, you so good. much,
1: Delilo, for coming on. It's been a pleasure talking to you. you got so many stories. No it was extremely yeah, no entertaining. I know you yeah. are having a massage at the beginning, but thanks for making <laughs> some time for us. We learned a lot, and hopefully you watching as well, the viewers, you learned something as well.
0: We've been following you literally on the Challenger Tour over the past like year or two and yeah, I've just been watching you grow as a player so I just can't wait to see tennis come back and see you come back on court so we can see you're this new big serve and how you're going to improve. Hopefully. Yeah,
1: we're hoping Hopefully. to come to some Hopefully. of the
2: tournaments as well so we'll see you around. Yeah, mate, we're coming yeah, to those perfect. tournaments. Perfect, it was a pleasure, guys. and Take care and stay safe. Yeah, Cheers, you too, man. Well. Cheers, bye. Bye, bye. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye.